Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Myself, Ross the Boss Casey, is the host this week. And I've got Brum back in the studio. Brum, it's been a while. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Episode, what's that? LXXV. If we're going <laughs> old, old man style. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Glad, glad, glad to be back. Did you have a nice time at Progress recently? It was a lot of fun. I just got a bit giddy. I think yeah, we all same, got a bit same. giddy. It got yeah. very, very giddy. But pat ourselves on the back. The beer pong was a big success, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was loads of fun. Yeah, I think. Yeah, just everything. That was timed well. Obviously, a little bit of, bit of controversy, which I'm not sure if JCH is over. But apart from that, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cracking. Yeah, Don did a great job. And definitely something that I'd love to do as like an annual thing, maybe. Definitely should, yeah. I know that Dom was so good at the hosting that um, people in the audience were quite keen for him to be there. Shows in the future, so watch this space. Exciting. So we start off with the call-up tweet. There's the fun jingle. We're into the call-up tweet. As per last time, it's no longer the call-up sheet, it's the call-up tweet where we've asked a question for the Twitter sphere. Um, and this week, we've asked to book an odd-pairing tag team and name them. So, I'm going to give you the name, Brum, and I want you to try and guess who the team is. Okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, so, first one up. This is, a slightly diff- this is a slightly difficult one, but I'm going to say it because we love drunk Uncle Scissors Tony. He's gone for this is ass attack. This is what attack? Ass attack. This is ass attack. Yeah. Okay. So I think, um, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a trios team. I think <laughs> okay. it's going to be Daddy Ass Billy Gunn. Correct. Attack wrestling staple tag team, the brothers of construction themselves, the Hunter brothers. <laughs> that would be amazing. Fortunately, you're only uh, 33 and 30 right there because it's this is Ass Attack, is Billy Gunn and Art Attack's Neil Buchanan. <laughs> this is an Art Attack. This is an Art Attack. This is Art Attack. <laughs> Yeah, I, sh- I, sh- I should have got that. Um, <laughs> Buchanan's infamous lightweight World of Sport run in '78. Yep. I should have got that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next up, we've got risk it for a biscuit. Risk it for a biscuit. biscuit. Okay. What, what, what's what's the last one? Risk it for a biscuit. So like V I S K I T. Okay. Right. So I think it's going to be a daredevil for the risk it. So I think it's going to be Darby Allen. And Fred Durst. <laughs> they will have um, Scape merch for sure. It was actually Viscera and Kit Wilson. Okay. <laughs> Thanks very much for that from um, Witticisms of Ben. Next up, we've got the Anvil and the Hammer. Um, is, is, I mean, is it just Neidhart and Valentine? Oh, it's so close. It's Neidhart and Van Hammer. Oh, right. Okay. 
<laughs> I loved Van Hammer, by the way. Like, just uh, like that era of WCW, probably if I, if I watched loads back on. But I, yeah, I was a massive Va- um, Van Hammer mark. I felt like he was part of WCW throughout the whole history of them. Yeah, yeah, maybe he was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he would. Yeah. What about Queen and the Jester? Queen and the Jester. So I think that's going to be Charlotte Flair Correct. and ICW legend Jack Jester. <laughs> oh, that would have been so good. It was, in fact, Charlotte Flair and R-Truth. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd definitely watch that. In a similar vein, Rick Roll. Rick Roll. Um, uh, so... As in the Rick Astley video. Yeah, yeah, very familiar. I think... Um, Hmm. I'm going to go Rick Rude. Yeah. And I'm going to go Seth Rollins. You're 50%. It's Flair and Rollins. Oh, right. There you go. You Actually, you did give me a bit of a hint there, didn't you? With saying it's similar to the previous one. But I just got shit on it. I went with my own. What about Riders of the Storm? Ooh, is it Riders spelt with a Y? It's not. Oh, right. So not Zaki, and it's um, a trio. This one. Oh, it's a it's a trio. Um, Go with the um, storm part of the name. Okay, right. Um, James Storm, Lance Storm, and Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm replaced by Tony Storm, and you've got all three. All oh, right, I'll take that. <laughs> Big fan of you going for Johnny Storm, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love oh, Johnny Storm so good. His for, for any anyone listening in, um, his his match with um, my Walthamstow native Jody Fleisch at what? Oh, what's the tournament? Was it IWA Mid South? Their kind of super high flyer one tournament that they used to do back in the day. Yeah, Absolute yeah, yeah. Match. Banger. Also, really good at hosting a quiz, as we found out. At SummerSlam 2000 and something. <laughs> We've got one from Mike Angus of uh, Progress Fame. Oh, hashtag Mad Dog. Hashtag Mad Dog. He's one with Chase Mayfairs. Um, oh, that's that's an easy one. That's going to be Tate Mayfairs and Bradley Walsh from The Chase. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. It's actually Chase Alexander who is also known as Martini Chase. Have you ever seen him wrestle? I'm not sure if I have. Name does sound familiar, but I'm not sure so if he, I have. So he comes Ch- down to the ring in like a big fur coat and has a martini? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Chase Mayfair has also got to be the name of an estate agent in like <laughs> yes. West London. Yes, definitely. Um, if Seth, great gimmick, isn't it? If Daflet's Flats comes back, that needs to be their rival chain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, let's do one or two more. Law and Disorder. Um, so I'm going to go with Santos and Maggot. <laughs> like it. But we've gone for a bit of a 1992 one here, a Big Boss Man and Nails. All oh, right. Uncle Ray, he's made it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually... They would, have def- that, they would have definitely booked that at some point, wouldn't they? <laughs> they would have done, about yeah. It. <laughs> and they would have been called that name actually that's, that's actually, yeah I don't think that's like a Twitter game I think that's just <laughs> alternate reality 
WWF, The Lost Tapes. Yes. <laughs> Next up, we've got The Cowboy and the Bandit. Um, Art Gun and Repo Man. <laughs> Love it. It's Hangman and Bandido. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean I'd like to see that as a tag match. <laughs> Mine versus theirs. Uh, let's do one last one. No, two, no, two more. Bagroom Bully has gone with Tooth Decay. Tooth Decay. So I think that's Crazy Steve and their answers. Oh, I bet they've gone for Rosemary and Britt Baker, but I'm going with Crazy Steve and Isaac Yankum. <laughs> Those lost tapes are so good. <laughs> uh, they went with Britt Baker and Abaddon. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll let them off. You've got another female wrestler who was in a stable called Decay, right? That's what they were called, right? I don't yeah, know that, is, that, is, that is what they were called, yeah. 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 So um, you've got to block them now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then last but not least, we've got Jamie say hello to the bad guy. He says, very spice, very evil. Oh, uh, Dan Housen and Curryman. Yes. There it is. Very good. Thank you, everyone. Well, book it, Tony. They can make that happen. (laughs) Make it happen. Um, Yeah. Thanks very much, everyone, for your tweets. We hope that you're happy that you've been called out on the podcast. And next week, we'll have another question for you. Let's move on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, long, long. So, Bram, it's been a busy week in wrestling, as always. I think you, that you've watched Dynamite, correct? Yes, I have. I have. It's been a busy, busy week for me, too. But I, yeah, went out of my way to squeeze it in. Amazing. <laughs> Going into it, I mean, funnily enough, I, I posted on the group saying, oh, guys, I think it's a good card. I think you should watch this one. But in my, in my gut, still being a bit like, well, Dynamite's been a bit, off kilter for a while now is it actually going to deliver and it was a really solid episode wasn't it maybe i'd go i'd go further than that it was a really good episode of dynamite yeah um yeah which was nice which was nice because when you go into something it's like will it, will it land will it land and the things that i kind of expected to to go well obviously the the two big matches on the card ftr acclaimed and and joe darby were a bag of fun as expected but yeah just but overall i just thought i thought it was a fun card i'm sure we'll be talking about uh starks and mjf a fair bit but but overall which 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 is good because it's i think it's it's about time that dynamite got back on track not that it's been poor but it's just been a bit meh compared to its dizzying heights of of last year and earlier this year yeah for sure um i thought it was one of those shows that just absolutely flew by two hours didn't feel like two hours and that's mm. always the bonus with way of wrestling yeah so we so we started off with the battle royal pretty fun battle royal i always i'm, I'm a little bit put off when they have like only three or four people given an entrance it, but like it kind of gives away where they're going with it a little bit but yeah i, but... I think you really get yeah, like like I think there's three there's three official rules you're allowed to go for battle royals. You either go, no one gets an entrance, yeah. like everyone gets an entrance, or you can get away with about twenty five percent of jobbers at the start. So if you've got a twenty person battle royal, I'll accept five people who are obviously not going to win it and not <laughs> yeah. get an entrance at the start. But it's got yeah, you've got you, you it's got to be above 
yeah, I think it's got to be seventy five percent. You want an entrance off. Yeah. So if we if we could codify that into a rule set somewhere and distribute it among the bookers yeah. of the world, I must admit that um, going up against what I just said, I I did like the fact that they gave Aston Rose one because yeah. obviously MJF isn't losing this title anytime soon. Like, let's be honest. But the idea of like Dustin Rhodes has come out and said that 2023 is my last year. Like the idea of almost like I'm going for the title and if I don't win, I'm out. And then having MGF, Lord know everyone that he's retired Dustin Rhodes and got rid of Regal might have worked quite well. But I'm sure there's time for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll definitely do that sort of run at some point. I think it'd be a bit mean spirited and also just leaving money on the table if they didn't. Yeah. And we got a bit more storyline stuff in the match itself as well as the overall winner which was good um i i enjoyed the ego and matt hardy stuff the actual final um take out of ego looked really great actually yeah i think it's it's he's just had a real I've always loved page since like evolved days and dg usa and all that stuff but like yeah he's just had a real stop start strange run hasn't he in aw so i just hope at some point he like yeah he can get a bit of a he can get a bit of a run but. yeah and moving on to the actual eventual winner ricky starks the revolution is televised not only did he win the match he was given some mic time and boy did he run with it yeah, I've, I've sometimes been a bit mean-spirited about Ricky Starks and said, I really like him, but some of his promos feel a bit rehearsed. While actually, I just love this one. It felt, because a lot of people say, oh, his, his promos feel really real. And I've kind of been like, I've not, not quite got that. He's, he's brilliant, but he's just not not quite landed with me. While I thought, yeah, I just, I thought this is fantastic. Really, really good. And just sets up the great thing, what I love about wrestling, where you have what's like an overarching title storyline which looks like it's going to be mjf dragon but then you've got a, like a smaller subset storyline for like a, a month which is well yeah a bit less than a month but which is mjf starts i think that's great yeah and we've only four pay-per-views a year that's the perfect way to be booking right yeah exactly exactly so what was your um impression in terms of crowd reaction so for me what, what i was so happy about is Someone who always bleats on about face and heel. MGF finally is being treated like a heel. And I know that the part of the reason that people were cheering for him previously was because people just wanted something new and wanted something other than another Moxley run. People don't not like Moxley. It was just like, we've seen it. We want something new. But now that it's all kind of settled, really feels like, yes, MGF can tuck into the meat and drink of who he is. Yeah, and, and interestingly on that, like, I think what will happen, it'll be a bit of a yardstick. So I think if you're a babyface and not doing your job and not getting crowd investment in you, people will probably cheer for MJF. But if you do what Ricky Starks did and got crowd buy into you, then you'll get the appropriate reaction. Yeah. And I'm sure the same will, will, prob- will be for the for the Danielson feud as well. And then whatever happens next page or, or whatever down the line. But I think, yeah, I'm not as probably as militant as you, Ross, with the with the crowds have always kind of got to drop into the face heel bit. But because I think some of the MJF stuff this year, when he's blurred and played the lines and stuff, I think it's been, been some of the best wrestling storytelling of late. Yeah. But I do think it now creates this interesting thing where there is a yardstick. And it's like, if you 
if you don't do your job, you're not going to get the reaction. And I think that's probably fair because if you're yeah. going into a main event title program as the baby face and you don't have the crowd loving you, then either you or the book has done something wrong. And that may, may sound a bit of a dick move, but also a bit fair. Yeah. And also they actually touched on it in the storyline, didn't they, with uh, Stark saying like, you've dropped the ball in terms of the responsibility. Like you can't handle the responsibility of the yeah. fans liking you. And that's why you've turned your back on them again. Yeah. 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 Just, just done really well. And I think, and this is, this is a really cold take because everyone's been saying it for a long time, but Starks has just got something about him. That's not the way he carries himself. Yeah. Um, and it's something and it's not, that it's not just a pebble thing. It's genuinely. Yeah. Also something that is quite interesting to me is that like maybe another part of the reason that they wanted MGF compared to Moxie is because he's an AEW guy <laughs> and being a non WWE wrestler helps Starks in the, in the situation as well. I'll be quite interested to know how big they go for Danielson. I think the thing is with Danielson, I mean, I could have rose-tinted spectacles on because I just absolutely adore the man, but I think he's just so adored by both the mainstream and independent fan base that, and also because he'd been so, oh, I don't want to necessarily, I'm not going to say underutilised because I think that's probably divisive, but I think he's been underexposed in his AEW run. So I think that people will really go for Danielson. No disrespect to Mox, who's had a, a fantastic few-year run, hasn't he? But he's, I think maybe the crowd had just got maybe a little bit bored about him. Can I say that? Is that a bit harsh? So I think they were kind of happy to to see someone else there, or, well, to see, cheer someone against him if they, yeah. if they gave him something. I'm not sure if that'll happen as much with Dragon, but I very rarely get this incredibly, uh, so very regularly get this incredibly wrong. So, so yeah, and maybe, but I, I do think that, that I, don't, I think, I don't think it's a WWE, AEW thing. I think Danielson will be cheered over uh, yeah. MJF. So then we moved into the TNT title match, which was awesome. They really are doing their utmost to make Samoa Joe back to what he was in the past. It's been a while since Samoa Joe had that kind of mystique around him. And this match was perfect for him. He had the foil of Darby Allen being able to bring the speed and the body that can take the abuse that, that he handed out to himself and also by Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe kept, came across looking like a badass, even at the post-match. Made him look like a badass. And... Darby Allen lost nothing in it because he showed incredible heart. So to me, this was 10 out of 10. Perfect. Oh, yeah. And it is just on paper when you see that. It's like Smojo, Darby Allen. Yes, that makes perfect sense. And just the match went exactly as you'd expect. And that is a good thing. And um, yeah, I, I loved the um, Joe doing his like step at his turn away spot for, yeah. for a dive. It was great. But but yeah, it's it's interesting about the... Uh, be interesting, Rossi, how you interpreted the post-match, is it still just Joe being Joe or is he is he a baddie? I, I saw it as the as the former. I don't know, you you took it. In terms of beating up Derby again? Yeah. Yeah, just like he's a badass heel now and if you poke the bear, then you're going to get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. But he did go to, he did, I, I might have misinterpreted it, but I thought he did go to kind of look like he was going to almost do the raise Derby's hand thing. Provoking mm. or whatever. I might have slightly misread that, but um, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I like. I was just little... watching Darby Allen scream at him like 
I'm like I'm still standing. So then Joe was like, yeah. "You won't be in a second, boy." <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, and that's and I think I think that's the part of it. So I don't know if it is that Joe's full on mega heel or anything like that. I think yeah. he's just. Uh, I think he'll just kind of. I really, really trying to find a million ways to not say tweener here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, his alignment could be morphed depending on the situation. I was talking to Phil offline about this, and something that came up in my head was that. Samoa Joe has looked so good in his recent run, but he's looked way better when he's wrestling smaller guys because he's lost a step of speed through the years. Like having someone to just kind of do that side of things for him and he just be the big bad wolf, I think is perfect. So the match against Wardlow is going to be quite interesting because Wardlow obviously is a big guy too, but he can perform these mad feats of speed and flips and things. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But also, I just love the fact that they've built him up as Godzilla so that they can have Wardlow beat him up. It's like the perfect way to build a babyface wrestler, right? Like you build up your heel to the point where he looks indestructible and then the babyface comes and knocks him down. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I I know I may sound stupid here, but I think there's a chance that Joe beats Wardlow. Is it crack? Is that what you smoke? Do you smoke crack? Yeah. But like they could easily be be telling a longer story, and yeah. it's going to take Wardlow two or three goes. But I'd like um, I would like to see. I just don't want those guys to have a normal wrestling match. I think it'd just be really boring, and I mean that in the no disrespect. I think if those guys just did like a six minute hoss sprint, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And it would also, I think, it would be good for Wardlow as well for him to have that sort of match and the crowd to view him in that way. Because he, even though he's just like beast of a guy and he can do all this crazy stuff he simultaneously can be a bit vanilla and I think yeah. him having maybe a bit of a shorter intense match I think would do well for him before he just ends up getting rybacked by the crowd yeah who was the who was the match where he found like obviously this Wardlow's been very much three minute match with 10 15 power bombs yeah what was the one match was it Archer that you wrestled that was actually really good when, the, the one where he did that that mad, he did some sort of mad flip off the top rope. Yeah, he did like it? a springboard. Yeah. Yeah, it was against another big guy. Was, was it Archer? Was it Archer or was it Morrissey? I, I can't remember now. And I remember thinking like, finally we're seeing Wardlow do something more, like because that's part of the reason how you're saying about that the fans might might write back him. Like, there's yeah. only so many times that you can see him do a squash match, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it'll be, be, be interesting to see how that one how that one ends up. Big thumbs up for that match. If you haven't seen it, yeah, really good. make sure that you do. What else happened on Dynamite? Oh, we saw Britt Baker be challenged by Soraya with a mystery partner. So let the rumours commence. What's your thoughts? I think it's going to be AJ Lee, isn't it? That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, I just don't care. Okay. <laughs> just don't care. Like, oh, it was a fun pop when Paige Soraya came out, but I'm like, just so, just so done. So done. And just Baker, who was obviously super exciting, is now dead stale. They, yeah, there needs to be a bit of a, it's so weird because um, I'm probably a bit untoward to kind of just connect people to their, to their kind of partners in real life, but Britt Baker's now got to that Adam Cole point and just we just like so talented people who could be who are like could be incredibly over, but you just I just I just want a fresh lick of paint there. Yeah. 
and yeah, but I don't think there's I don't think there's any liquor paint. I don't think there's a, a William Morris print that could sort out Soraya's likability. So hopefully she'll just slowly fade off into the sunset, but I don't think that's going to happen. I've seen some people on Twitter saying that it could be her mum. <laughs> I'd watch the shit out of that, actually. I'd take everything back. That would be ace. Uh, <laughs> seeing a mum. Turn up with all... Yeah, bring, bring out all the night clan. <laughs> Survivor Series 93. <laughs> And then we also had the main event, which was also awesome. Um, well, there was also the, what, what did you think of the of the hater interview? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. She came across very likable. It's kind of on purpose because I think the fresh lick of paint on Baker is going to be the breakup of those two, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And, and what I'd like to see is Baker just go full on kind of maniacal in it. So she's... Yeah. And, and I think because I think I think she does have those chops, and I think it'd be it'd be interesting. The other element I probably to touch on is the whole Blackpool Combat Club stuff. Yes, the uh, message from the dead. <laughs> that was like I've got, it's like considering the circumstances. I guess it was quite neat like how it's tied up, but at the same time, just like. Quite like grown inducing and like, like yeah. Like I, I just, I've got many, many contradicting feelings on it all. It was yeah, just a bit silly. I again utterly adore William Regal, but it was still a bit like, oh, could you have done that in a better way? <laughs> but yeah, whatever. I don't know what your thoughts are that, Ross. Mm, yeah, it was just like we've got to do something here, and I think they're definitely going to do something with that. Keep your eyes in the back of your head, let further down the line. Yeah, yeah, with um, Utah. Yeah, so I don't know whether it's going to be Mox turns on Utah or Utah turns on Mox or whatever it will be, but something is happening yeah. with that line. They're clever enough to set those seeds for a reason, and then you go back six months later and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think, I think so. And, and I'm, I'm now, I mean, when they finish their 138 billion match series with the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. It'll be interesting to, um, to kind of what happens to those guys. Have you taken it that they're basically separated from Brian or like semi or? Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, um, yeah, I think potentially they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also going to be interesting about Utah and Castagnoli, depending what happens with the future of ROH stuff, how much stuff they do on Dynamite and things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously... the the pay per view on Saturday, they're announcing the TV situation. Apparently, okay, okay, yeah, that'll be because I mean, I'd like to just, I just want to see Castagnoli wrestle loads anyway. I mean, different people outside of this feud, preferably, but he's brilliant. Utah's brilliant. I think Mox is the the interesting one. I think the page feud's going to be great, like kind of two complex characters. See what happens there, but but after that, it'll be interesting to see what the future for Mox is. Because they need to keep him away for the title picture indefinitely, but maybe just not have him fighting the old, the kind of the having it like Jericho and all that stuff. It'd be, be, it's going to be interesting to see what what's next for him if he has a bit of a Danielson run where he maybe fights younger wrestlers or or something like that. Yeah, definitely. And we also saw that tag team match. So you got to see your boy Claudio wrestle. Yeah, but just not. I'm, I just zone out with anything. <laughs> With no. Don't get me wrong, like Garcia, adore him, love it all, but you're just like, oh, just fuck off with this feud. I don't think there's anyone interested in this feud. You know, bloody 
Daniel Garcia's dad, Sergio, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Sarah Del Rey are probably not even watching it, are they? It's just like what? And or Dutch Mantel's probably not even watching it. Like, just what? Who is? Oh, come on, just move on. I think they will. I, I don't think Tony's that. Um, speak to him like I know him. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Tony Khan's that kind of blind to the fan base that he's going to keep this thing going on for much longer. I don't think he can. I don't think there's any more mileage in it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Hopefully that's just going to die soon. Sorry, I've said I've been I've been quite negative throughout this. <laughs> that's fine. You, which you really not, enjoyed the show. Really, you really, really enjoyed, enjoyed the show. show. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the show. But I've just at the same time just maybe overly nitpicking in areas. Uh, the main event, I really enjoyed. That was a good match, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Really, really good. I, at the time, probably when immediately finished the show, I was like, oh yeah, Joe Darby was the best match on that card. In retrospect, I think maybe I, I might have even done it. And I, I, like I said, I love that match, but I really liked FTR acclaimed. Really liked it. But yeah, but keep it simple. Go watch both matches. Both really good. I um, also really appreciated the finish in terms of... yeah. One team tried to win, but literally got rolled up. Like, there's no better way to sort out a face-v-face match, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and yeah, the other element of that match, I mean, I think now everyone's kind of like, shit, Bowens can go, he's really good. Like, out of nowhere, like, just great talent. But but I, I really liked Caster in that match. I thought it was really good. They've just matured so much in ring those two. It's, it's unbelievable, really, when you compare it to, I mean, FTR could probably wrestle two brooms, but, I mean... yeah. It, like, look back at the the, um, the Swerve in His Glory match. Or, is, that, is that what it's called? Swerve, is that what they're called? Swerve in His Glory? Swerve in Their Glory? Yeah, yeah. Swerve in Our Glory, yeah. yeah. Swerve in Our Glory, yeah. That was the pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> that match was really good as well. So, yeah, I've just, just been really, really enjoying the acclaimed. Yeah, they've certainly won lots of people over. They got a few votes in uh, Tag Team of the Year in our WSBF Awards. And then the finish of the show, I thought, was really cleverly done with the Christmas presents from the guns, the FTR, to build up to Saturday. I thought that was a really fun way of getting the Briscoes on the show when they're not allowed to be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, I'd watched Final Battle, I think, either way, or at least some of the matches on fin- Final Battle. But that's a real tipper, which is yeah. exactly what it's meant. That's old school pay-per-view, pre-pay-per-view booking, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is a last-minute hook. Yeah. Do this at the last moment of the show which is, yeah, most likely chance for people to get giddy about it. So that was, yeah, that was done really well. Yeah, I'm super um, excited about it. The first two matches were amazing. Yeah, outrageous the, one. Sometimes stipulation matches can just make things worse, can't they? <laughs> um, and dog collar matches, by and large, can be difficult to pull off. And if you add four dog collars into the situation, then they might even be even more difficult. So if they manage to make it even half as good as the previous two matches, fair play to them. Yeah, and I think actually, if you look at the the talents involved, not only are they four really good wrestlers, but they're good wrestling minds. I think they're the, the kind of guys that will be able to deliver that and pace it and work around it and make it a really entertaining, probably yeah. brutal match. Yeah, they'll all be watching their Greg Valentine later this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you seen anything else this week, from? I don't think I have. I'm sure I did watch, I did catch something of WWE late, but I can't remember what it was. Remind me what's been on. Oh, I, um, watched the, I watched the pay-per-view, but that was probably weeks ago, wasn't it? Oh, Survivor Series. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a while ago. Um, <laughs> Shows where my brain is. But yeah, I've not seen it. But I quite enjoyed that, actually. I might, um, Papa H may, may be reeling me back in, but I've not seen well, anything since. Was there anyone or anything in particular that Yeah, I've got a really hot take. So there's this story going on at the moment with um, the bloodline. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I think is kind of good. I don't, I don't think it's kind of kind of a bit of an under, under the radar thing that's maybe not got much attention, but um, that was really good. <laughs> um, I, I liked the um, I liked the women's war games match as well. Actually, yeah, yeah. I watched Raw this week, and I've got to say that a large part of the reason that I stay up and watch Raw is that women's roster on Raw. It is banging at the moment, and uh, this Monday was no different. We had two triple threat matches with the winners of those two triple threat matches going on to next week on Raw, be the person to fight um, Bianca at Royal Rumble. And the first triple threat match was Bailey versus Rhea versus Asuka. And my Lord, it was very, very good. Wow. Um, really good match. Fully expected. Probably Rhea Ripley to go on and win that match, but it was actually Bailey that went on to win the match. Fantastic match. And the big takeaway from it is Asuka, who online... Um, on Twitter, as soon as that match finished, let me quickly go onto Twitter and I'll tell you exactly what she said. Um, so the first thing that she posted after the loss, because not only did she lose the match, she then got attacked by Rhea Ripley after the match. So she came out as like a double loser. She said, I don't want respect. I have never wanted to be respected. I don't care about that. I'm going to go and listen to the new Metallica song and go to bed. And everyone was like, okay. And then WWE posted footage of the match, which said, it's Asuka, Bailey, and Rhea Ripley in a huge triple threat match. Who have you got? And Asuka said, the other two. You don't need me for this choice. I'm going to listen to Megadeth and go to bed. And then she's just been posting old pictures of herself as Kana with like the clown mask and stuff. And then she posted four separate pictures over four days since then. And the last one is just a picture of her with a skull and her clown get up. And it just says the world is full of shit. And then one that was posted about four hours ago, same picture, but with the caption, farewell, cruel world. So there's definitely going on. She's definitely going to be going on some kind of heel turn, and I'm for it because I don't think she's been a heel in ever in WWE. Um, I think in NXT she kind of played that unstoppable monster vibe, didn't she? But it was, yeah, <clears throat> it wasn't like she was full on heel. Yeah, she had she like fought faces obviously in that and played the heel role, but she wasn't like baddie baddie baddie. Yeah. So my absolute dream would be that she goes full heel and then she goes over to SmackDown and we get Rousey Kana at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be very, very good. Super selfishly, I I was hoping at first it's meant that she's going to go back to Japan. I'd probably prefer that, if if I'm going to be honest. Um, Yeah, that is fair. fair. a A million and one exciting matches there. But either way, I think it's probably good for it to be fresh. I, I had one question, Ross. So, because again, not like I watched 
Mania and the Rumble and, and the and the odd big pay per view, is um is Bianca very much presented as number one in the company, no one can touch her kind of level, or what's how's that kind of how's the presentation done there? Um, I wouldn't say number one, no one can touch her, but okay, she's definitely number one, and she's number one with good reason. Like even like Becky Lynch is on promo is like you know said like she's the one to run the show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Obviously, when I, I guess just because of the time, I probably stopped following as much. You do see the kind of the horsewomen, or I guess like minus. Sasha and Asuka and stuff like that is like an Alexa, I guess, is like the big names. And it's really interesting. There's like Bianca's kind of slotted in and, and above. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, and, and what I've seen of her, she's, I mean, she's brilliant, isn't she? But, oh, God. Yeah, incredible. What an athlete. And then over on, on NXT uh, this week, we had um, a lot of fun. We had. Going into, oh, I, heard the, I heard the return and who they're fighting. That's very exciting. Of Pretty Deadly and, and the New Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a lot of fun, isn't it? What a match yeah. that's gonna be! How amazing! Like, like, so happy for the Pretty Deadly lads. That's amazing. Absolutely and there's, brilliant. And there's a genuine thought process there of like, yeah, they've sent people down there for like two or three months to like do their stint in NXT, and it's not like the New Day have been doing much. There's a chance that they could win it. Which makes the match more exciting, in my opinion. Yeah. But pretty deadly go over. That'd just be amazing, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, incredible. Ridiculous. for the, see, Like, when we saw them and they're like, oh, the, these have got a lot of charisma, but they're a bit green. And they're like, fighting <laughs> yeah. like, the new day. It's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. They deserve it. They're both, like, super talented guys, aren't they? Yeah, massively. And big Edge and Christian vibes at the moment with their promos. Loving them so much on NXT. And then, last but not least, for NXT, the thing that's making me very excited, and I know it's going to be making you excited, Charlie Dempsey, potentially a protege of or against Drew Gulak. We're not quite sure yet. Just yeah, the pairing of those, either way. Yeah, very exciting. Just, yeah, just just brilliant. What's well, it's going to be interesting? What that means with maybe uh, I don't know if it's just backstage that Regal's going to go back to WWE with, or if there's a, a apparently to put on screen with obviously. We've been told things previously that aren't true, so we're not entirely sure if this is true, but apparently he's got a non-complete clause. So he's going back to WWE as backstage, and he's only allowed on screen as of 2024. Oh, right. Don't know if that's true or not, but that's what's been, been reported by Meltzer. Can he can he stand in Gorilla and shout war games as long <laughs> as he's not on camera? Really loudly. They don't even give him a mic. The crowd's got to go really quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I hope. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess the, only shame, the, the only shame with Dempsey kind of uh, look, look like moving up the card and getting more eyes on him. I was hoping that he'd maybe do a couple of sojourns into to the UK and might, might see him... In yeah. some stuff again, I think is absolutely brilliant, but I think that's probably unlikely now. I think he's probably going to have a, if if not a rocket strapped to him, then at least something with a decent engine on it. So, yeah, but which is good. He's got, I mean, he's just great. I mean, that is just absolutely my style of wrestling. What he does, so I'm very biased. But um, yeah, him and Gulak, I mean, yeah, should be brilliant. Yeah, I'm all for it. Either way, whether it's a protege situation or a match, yeah, either, yeah, I give agree. it to us. Give it to us. I, I, don't have a preference, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to dip in and watch a 
a bit i think hopefully new year things might quiet down a little bit for me so i might dip into wwe and it's um and everything around it on that um and so i assume i can probably google this ross but um has there been any news about nxt europe or if that's still in the pipeline or timelines or is that a well shall we find out in our interview with rohan shortly Okay, so now we enter the roundtable section of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast with myself, Ross the Boss Casey, and we are so fortunate this week to be joined by former NXT UK star, Rohan Raja. Rohan, thank you so much for joining the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I appreciate you guys bringing me on the show. Oh, mate, no problem at all. Talking to one of the biggest NXT UK fans <laughs> Um, absolutely loved your run with NXT UK, which I'm sure that, that we'll get into shortly. Um, but yeah, I've seen you wrestle live many a time in the in the BT studios. Oh, have you? Oh, I didn't even. Are, are you based in uh, London? Yeah, based in London. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was probably doing some uh, smuggish remarks when I was working. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All good, man. All good. I'm sure that we were handing them straight back at you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, that was a great. Uh, the BT uh, audience there. I feel like towards the end, just before the closure, it was getting really hot again. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely. When they, when they packed it, it kept like the sound very closed in, so it, it was real loud, like towards for all of us boys, which was cool. Yeah, I definitely felt the difference in the latter tapings that were happening. The stuff that like Shah Samuels and stuff were doing, they were getting such great comedy reactions as well. Absolutely loved it. Definitely, yeah, it was, it was definitely a blast to do. I had, I had a bunch of fun. <laughs> it's just a bit of a shame that um, you couldn't do a lot of the, like, those kind of DAR stuff that was, like, filmed pre, I guess. Like, that would have been great fun to, to do in front of the fans, but I guess it's just all kind of difficult to film at, at the same time, I guess. I think if they were doing, like, if it was um, a recording week, like, with um, Raw and SmackDown, they definitely would have done that because we have to, you know, those tapings, uh, we're filming like four to six episodes, so I, I feel like that's why they have to pre-record it. Otherwise, yeah, like it would have been so fun doing the dance sessions live. <laughs> yeah, those always tickled me <laughs> every single week. Um, <laughs> so back to you though, Rohan. You feel yourself as British-born, Australian-raised, and Canadian-trained, three great countries. Um, so, so talk us through the start of your wrestling kind of love. You were born in Britain. I'm assuming that you were brought up on Sky Sports and the Fed. So I, um, so I was originally born in Sussex in a small town called Crawley, um, and then I was there until I was about eight. So how my love started for wrestling was my um, my granddad and my dad were massive fans, especially my granddad, and uh, it was a thing where my granddad, my dad, my older brother, and me, it was just a thing that we would all do together, and even my mum and sister would watch the shows with us as well, which is cool. So it was kind of like a family thing we did. And then eventually it just became uh, me and my brother watching it like week by week. We never missed any Raw, any SmackDown, any pay-per-view for like years. Like it was like a religious thing that we did. And it was like a wrestling in our family was kind of like a bond that kept us close together. And now that I'm, I'm older and I reflect back and look back on it, I'm like, damn, that was actually such a, Thing that brought us all close together which was really cool but like that when i was a kid like i loved like, like 
I was more so drawn into like the characters and the storylines and stuff like that, especially with like the stuff with Austin and The Rock were doing. Dude was awesome. Like when I was a kid, I was more so into that. And then as I was getting older, I started like to appreciate the art of wrestling. So I was like, then I started looking at Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, like, and that was kind of what sparked me to be like, oh, I want to get into it. it was like the, was just how they were able to tell the story, manipulate the crowd, and just like for me, the villains was something that really stuck out to me. Is just how you can get people just to hate like so easily, like some of the guys did, especially with like I feel like Triple H did a really good job with that when he was in Evolution. Like yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> those that's primarily why I've most of my career I've been a heel. Is I just love the I love to be hated. Like it's just something that I like. Like so, it's weird because if you know me as a person, anyone will say like I'm, I'm kind of like a not like a nice shy guy, but my character is completely different, like opposite. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind yeah. of like stepping outside the zone, which is cool. But yeah, that's that's how I got the love into the wrestling, and then eventually, when I was about eight years old, I moved to um, briefly moved to Belgium and then moved to Australia, where I where I grew up with my family. And uh, at that point, as I was getting older, when I was like, you know, I want, I want, like, want to be a wrestler, and like, when at the time, wasn't much in Australia, especially with Queensland, where I'm from. So it was very hard to actually kind of, you know, go to a school and learn, and go to someone that can actually teach you. Right. Okay. It was kind of like a back and forth, like struggle, because I'm like, like, I, th- this is too far fetched. Like, I can't. There's no way I, I can do this. I got to be in like the USA or, or Canada. Right. Or, okay. Like, somewhere in Europe, right? So it was something that at the time I thought it was unachievable, but fast forward, it, it definitely was. So what age were you when Nathan Jones was a thing? <laughs> oh, I can't remember, but he wasn't a big, like, he wasn't a big, like, a, like a big deal for, like, Australians. It was more so, do you know what? Australians more so knew him when he started getting kind of a little bit in acting. Right. Yeah. So like that, the Australians more so knew Nathan Jones for like you know how he did that bit in um that movie Troy. He was yes, the yeah, star yeah. Of, of that movie Troy. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like he's more so known as like the acting sort of stuff he did in Australia. But uh, I feel like <laughs> okay. the way that they were kind of uh, <laughs> billing him in the states was like he was an Australian hero or something. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a drought of Australian wrestlers there, but but obviously now you've got a whole load. Yeah, a lot of them definitely, uh, you know, obviously are going to the PC and NXT and even like Japan as well. There's, yeah, there's absolutely. Much, much yeah. Australia is very underrated. Like I didn't start my career there. I started in Canada, but the Australian wrestlers are uh, very underrated. Yeah. You mentioned there that um, you liked The Rock as a kid. And um, I've done a bit of research on you in the last 24 hours, Rohan, and I've saw the WrestleMania 28 photo of you wearing a Boots to Asses t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so get this. I, uh, so when they were announcing the, like, the special guest uh, host for Mania 27, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then he came out and then like had that surprise appearance on Raw. And then I think I was watching that. And then, uh, you know, eventually when it came to after Mania 27, when him announced 28, I was like, I looked at my brother. I said, like, we have to go. Like, there's no, there's <laughs> exactly. no way we, we, we get this. Here. Like, who would have thought that we would come back? And I was like, oh, man, we have to go. So, like, yeah, me and my family did a trip to the U.S. that year. And uh, me and my brother and one of my really good mates all, all went to Mania that year, which was really cool. 
Yeah, there's one friend of ours in our group that has been to like every single one since around 28, I think. And yeah, I'm so jealous of him. He just seems like the best fun. Yeah, like Mania is definitely something that it's like, it's something that even if you weren't a wrestling fan, you would appreciate. It's just, it's such a, like, I remember when I was like walking around the stadium and uh, I said to my brothers, like, oh, let's just go through this uh, gate first. I just want to see what the ring looks like because we weren't at our yeah. number yet. And then I just walked through, had a look, and the atmosphere just like blew me away. I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah. this is, this is like, just unreal. You're also a big football fan, and it, and it must feel a bit like that first kind of time that you step out onto the terrace and you see the pit. Just that, like, oh, my God moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very similar. It's, it's something that just – because you're so used to seeing it on TV, so you don't really know what it's – I feel like sometimes you, you'll come to it and be like, oh, have I kind of built this, like – is it not going to fulfill what I think it's going to be? But then it, it overly does. I'm like, it kind of shocks me to like, when I look at it, I'm like, oh damn, like the first time I stepped in the picture, like Anfield, I had that feeling and like, yeah, uh, sure. But Mania was definitely the biggest one was when I was like, oh man, this is, this yeah. is cool. So WrestleMania is obviously the pinnacle of where you want to be. And you moved to Canada to train, to be a wrestler, to try and get that dream. And you uh, sign up with SWA, which is uh, Lance Storm's wrestling school, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So I, um, so what I ended up doing, I ended up saving money because I was like, if I want to do this, I, I want to go to a proper, you know, a proper trainer. And um, I remember listening to a lot of like uh, Austin's podcasts, and I remember him saying something that stuck out to me. He's like, if you're training to be a wrestler, make sure you go to someone that knows what they're doing because if you learn bad habits early on, it's really hard to to snap out of it so when it comes later down the track and you're and you're like having a tryout or you're getting scouted like those things really do matter and um lance is someone like i'm really thankful i feel like majority of what i've done is if you go through lance like i wonder what my career would have would have looked like he's a very like perfectionist type coach and he he just drills in the little things and he drills in things that will help you get signed and will make you a better wrestler or make you a safe wrestler like like he's just a very good and, he, and he, I wouldn't even say he's underrated because like everyone appreciates his work. So like he he's one of the best like technicians around there, and he's yeah. and he's being one of the you know safest guys out there as well. Also, as a trainer, um, I read you saying that like he's someone that a little bit like Vince used to say was like I won't do anything that I wouldn't do myself. And I, I think I've read you saying that like the first time like that you trained with him, like the first thing that he did was take a back bump off second turnbuckle and kind of made you feel safe right yeah yeah because because uh, at the beginning when we were all kind of sitting around he was kind of telling like uh, obviously i was aware going in that it's like it's a very dangerous thing and you know you can yeah. seriously hurt yourself in the ring and he was telling us all this and kind of catching us up to speed on everything and and a few guys were kind of like even i was like oh man this, i'm getting a bit like free now and then i remember when he was in the ring yeah he he literally just jumped off backwards from the second buckle and just took a back bump and then just kind of like looked at us like no no sold in just to kind of like look at us and be like you know don't worry it's going to be fine like i know like yeah i've just done it like it's okay and now <laughs> like looking back on that that's not an easy bump to take like that yeah. that hurts so like <laughs> for him to pull that out just to make us feel comfortable like it's very um he, he makes you like trust him from the start like he, he's yeah. very he's very like uh just a very good guy. Like even when I got to the airport in Canada, he like picked me up from the airport and took me to my uh, apartment. So yeah. He just comes across as like a real classy guy. 
And obviously the amount of wrestlers that have come out of that school that are on TV is proof that his training is more than stellar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The list that he has, um, uh, he used to have it on his uh, website. I'm not sure if it's there, but even when his school was still up, he had like uh, pictures of all the all of his students that have made it have been signed somewhere. And yeah, the and there was, was something like, like there was something like six of you on the NXT UK roster, right? Yeah, yeah, six. I think it was um, Howley, Levi, Howley, uh, Amir, and Saxon. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it definitely, uh, it was almost like a SWA takeover at, uh, <laughs> at NXT UK for sure. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Someone that also helped you on the way um, that you've spoken about is Jinder, obviously a former WWE champion. He's been on the roster for absolutely years. Um, how did he help, help you? So when I was almost finished with SWA, there was a show in Edmonton. It was like a big show for one of the independent promotions out there. And then um, as a group, all the students were like, were like, yeah, let's drive down. Like, let's all, like, let's rent a car and all chip in and drive down and help out for the show. So we ended up helping out and doing, like, security and stuff. And um, he was on the show. And I remember, like, I just spoke to him and started uh, talking to him, like, about what I'm doing and if, if he had any advice for me. And then from there, it just kind of sparked off kind of helped me ever since then. That was in 2015. And he's just... He's always been there for a constant help. Like if I have matches, he'll watch and give me feedback. Uh, let me know kind of what WWE are looking for it before I got there and like what I should be doing, why why I shouldn't not be doing. Like he's very much been like a like an older brother and a mentor for me, but he's like one of my like best friends now, which is cool. But it's um he's someone that's very I'm very grateful I've I've come across. And now kind of like the more experience I get in wrestling, I, I kind of want to do the same thing for other wrestlers coming up the ranks. Like I've got um, like a couple of trainees that I that I know that I just want to help. Like I see potential in them that I just kind of want to help succeed. It's kind of like the type of person he is and the type of person I am as well. It's like you want others to to feel what you've had. Like I haven't got to where I want to go yet, but like even just what I've experienced yet, like I want others to, if they really want to do it and they have the passion for it, I want them to experience that. So it definitely is something that's rubbed off on me. So I'm, I'm very fortunate I, uh, I met Jinder, yeah. That night that he won the title against one of your favorite wrestlers, Randy Orton, must have been some night for you. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was in um, yeah, in Toronto at the time when that happened. And uh, I remember talking to one, one of my buddies and, and Jinder's cousin. And we were all on like group chat. I was like, you know way, dude, he won the belt. I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. And uh, I sent him a message like congratulating him and stuff. And uh that was that was cool because it was like yeah one of my favorite wrestlers he went up against and um yeah that was really cool and like even just ask him you know what was it like to work with Randy and like he'll tell me all that sort of stuff but it was very cool like I saw him when I first met him it was after he got released and right, then okay. seeing him work his way back up getting his body in like like prime shape and then going straight to the title like I saw him from the, him being at the bottom in terms of like he just got released so he was feeling down right and then yeah. going from that all the way to WWE champion was was something kind of very special to see like from being his friend point of view yeah and also being his peer as well because obviously something similar has happened to you and it's proof that hard work will pay off definitely like it, it, it's it's one thing like you have to you have to have like the talent like you got to have the package that people are looking for but if you don't put the hard work in then you won't like it won't happen. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how good you are. So it's all about how much you know hard work and determination you put in. And um, I feel like if you if if people really have that, and then you know 
they do is do everything they can in order to, you know, succeed, even like set aside this business, any sort of business, if they kind of believe in themselves and put hard work first, you definitely can, can get to where you be. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And talking about where you wanted to be after SWA, you went to Impact Wrestling, which obviously was obviously based in Canada at the time, which was where you were based. Um, how did that come to be? So I was um, I, I was based in Calgary at the time, and then I was doing the independent circuit in, in uh, the western side of Canada. And then at that point, I was like, you know, I, I need to. I've wrestled with like a lot, like mostly everyone here, and I and I've been wrestling multiple promotions here. Like, what's going to get me kind of noticed now? Like, I need to kind of branch out and do something else. So I um, I went to I moved to Toronto, and then ended up going to a school called Battle Arts uh, where Yuki Ishikawa used to be the head trainer. Yeah. So I um I learned a different style from him and it was he he's more so like mat based, shoot based, like very like submission style wrestling, Japan kind of hard hitting wrestling like he trained Asuka. So I wanted to add that to my repertoire, which I did. And then I think it was I can't remember how I think I was about almost a year in Toronto and then there was a tryout that came up for Noah and Impact at the time. It was like a joint tryout in Windsor, right. which I attended. And then, um, yeah, I, I got picked from that. And then it eventually led to this TV show we called Global Forge. It's kind of like a tough enough or a gotcha, okay, right. you know? And then after that, me and me, Rohi got, got signed up first and then uh, I followed. And then, um, yeah, I eventually my, I signed with them in November 17, I think it was. Amazing. And that must have felt like a real start to the real deal of Rohan Raja being a thing, right? Um, being signed to a major promotion like Impact. Yeah, it was. It was something like it, it was after. Um, so Jinder won the title. I remember seeing that, and, and like kind of that was like more of a motivation thing for me too. I was like, oh man, like to keep pushing. And then this, this, uh, then I ended up signed like like four or five months later after that. It was it was a real moment at the time, and I was like, "Damn, I've done this within two years, like just over two years, two and a half years, give or take." Like, and I've got to a like a major major organization, and um, that there was very. I'm very grateful that I was there because I was still very like green at the time and um, learning how TV works and and the TV cameras and yeah. and learning pre tips, like learning all the essential things that a lot of people when they get to WWE that this is all throwing that at them and they can, they can get very like, um, like startled. Cause they'll, they'll yes. be like, oh, this is, this is a lot. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, think I remember Triple H saying something about it when we brought in someone, I can't remember who it was, but he was like, I remember the first thing, like he looked at me and he says, man, this is so much different to where I've been. And it was just based on one of the entrances he did. Right. Okay. Cause it's such a, TV wrestling is such a different ball game to like just a live show because live shows are very relaxed. Like you don't really yeah. need to work camera or anything like that. And TV is just, you got to, yeah, you've got anywhere from like, you know, a few thousand, like uh, several thousand in the crowd on TV, you got millions watching. So you like, you got to make sure you can work those cameras a lot. I feel like impact very much brought me very aware of, and uh, I had a really good run with Rohit Raju as um, the Desi Hid squad, we had going as a manager at the time. And uh, yeah, just it was really fun. The, yeah, yeah, like learning from him, especially him, just learning from the guys we worked with. It was very, uh, it was a very cool experience. I'm very, very grateful for that. 
And obviously at Impact, you wrestled very high caliber of wrestlers on that roster from comedy wrestlers like Grado, who we obviously love here in the UK, all the way through to Japanese wrestlers like Taiji. So you managed to wrestle real high caliber wrestler there. And did you have any highlights from your time there? Yeah, I um, very much liked uh, working Taiji. Like he was, he was great. Like he was such a nice guy too. So that the match we had with him and um, PD Williams, uh, it was on Impact. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, I feel like one of the highlights we did was the segment where we um, those two just won a match. Can't remember who they who they wrestled, but we came running out and jumped them. And we ended up just like absolutely just beating them up, just uh, doing our finishes on him, like throwing him in the steps, just kind of making that big statement. Yeah. It really kind of, I feel like at that point, that was like the height where we got to during that run. That was definitely my favorite segment that we did. But the matches we had was cool. Like it was really cool, like even working like LAX in Mexico, which was really cool. Wow, yeah. Um, even doing a one-on-one with Rohit, which was fun in Mexico. But it was it was just so cool, like you're saying, like the different sort of guys we were wrestling is like we're wrestling like Ortiz, like Santana, like um, yeah, what a tag team, KM, Labar, like we were just like Grado, Joe Henry, like we were wrestling just so much different. So it was cool working with different styles because then you're yes, like, oh, yeah. we we'll have like a comedic match, and then we'll have like a you know more of like a, a, a strong style match or a yeah. Yeah, so it was really cool just getting differences with that. And then a lot of the guys you're coming across, these guys are all been wrestling like over 10 years, easy, minimum. Like, so it's it was really cool just to learn from those guys at such an early point in my career. Yeah. I then also saw that you posted that, um, that you obviously went to WrestleMania 28 as a fan. And then WrestleMania 33 comes along and you were there as a VIP. So it must feel like kind of getting your way into the WWE in a, in a roundabout way at that stage. How did the move to NXT UK happen? So, um, yeah, that, that Mania 33 was uh, was definitely a, uh, that that still to this day is the, the most craziest thing I've done in this <laughs> I met pretty much everyone that weekend. But um, yeah, uh, so how I got to um, NXT UK, we had... Uh, after Impact, I was getting to a point where they, they were starting to do a lot of shows in, in the US. And then right. I w- was the only one that didn't have a, a US visa um, okay, right. or a US passport. So it was very like, I had to miss quite a bit of shows. I'm like, man, this is like, this is not good. And then eventually I was going to get a US visa, but then I probably would have had to um, extend my uh, contract. And I was kind of thinking, you know, I want to get to WWE before I'm 30. Okay. And um then I was like, okay, what do I do? And then I uh, I made the conscious decision, which a lot of people were like, oh, why are you doing this? And like, but I asked for my release. There was no hard feelings from Impact. I got a great relationship with them. But I asked for my release and I spoke to Scott about it. And I was like, you know, I told him exactly what I want to do. And he fully respected that. And I said, you know, I think, I think if I have a, a, a tryout with WWE, I feel like, you know, they would bring me on. So I, I asked for my release on a gamble, not guaranteed for anything. And then wow. after I uh, I contacted WWE, they said, we'll bring you down for a tryout. Didn't tell me when it was going to be. And then there happened to be one in Toronto coming out where I was still based at the time. And I was like, oh, wicked. So I, I contacted them about that. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, I just seen that there's a Canadian one um, with this, where me, since I'm already based here. And they're like, 
they're like, no, unfortunately, it's just going to be Canadian talent. So I was like, oh, damn. So then at that point, I was I train like really hard, so I keep my body in like really good shape. And I was kind of like, you know what? Should I just kind of take it easy for a bit and then um, for a few weeks and uh, start up again? And then a couple of days later, I got an email again saying, yeah, you're on the tryout. I was like, oh, so I was like, oh lucky I didn't kind of go full off and start eating tunnels and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, when that tryout came across, there was about 40 to 50 guys and girls tryout. And then I was the only one uh, that was picked from it. For, for oh, amazing. Enough. Wow. Um, yeah. And then it, essentially what it was, it was almost like, they were kind of tossing up between either bringing me up to the the US or to the UK. And then um, I kind of had a desire to go to the UK to learn the British style and get another style under my belt. Yep. So then eventually, yeah, I was thinking about moving to the UK anyway to do the independence over there before all this happened. Yeah, because um, at the time so, the UK scene was booming, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was booming. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's that's probably like a good, good spot to go. And then um, when I... They told me to relocate to the UK, which I did. And then I remember the first time I was at the, the Performance Centre in the UK was November 2019. And then I, after that, I'd started doing all the background checks and all that. And then they brought me to do my medical in uh, in March. And then uh, COVID happened. Oh, God, <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, that kind of stalled it. Um, yeah. But then after that, they, they ended up bringing me back in, I think it was September, when businesses were allowed to open again. So you never actually wrestled for NSUK on tour, right? You only ever wrestled it in the BT studio. Is that right? Yeah, just the BT. So like I was, um, when I came down in November 2019, I was in attendance for the whole tapings. And then I was in attendance for the Coventry tapings in March 2020. Um, but I didn't, I didn't wrestle on those shows. So my first taste of NXT was in the BT, BT studio. Yeah. It was in front of a, yeah, there was no crowd for that. So that was very weird. <laughs> Yeah, it must have been so strange to be making your WWE debut after years of wanting to get to that. <laughs> and then... Yeah, but the weird thing was, it was, it, was like, it, it was almost like, yeah, people were like, oh, yeah, you know, that would have been kind of weird feeling wrestling in front of Noah. When I walked out there and looked at and seen the red light on the cameras and stuff, it was like, oh, shit, I was watching at home. Like, it was almost like, a, yeah. oh, this is it. And then just seeing, like, Shawn Michaels and stuff, like, when our matches would finish, when they would cut, like Sean would talk over the intercom and stuff. So like, it was definitely, you were kind of more, very much more aware that you're wrestling for WWE. I feel like when you're, when there's a crowd there, you've, you kind of like distracted a little in a good way. Right. Yeah. And you're not, you're not thinking about it too much, but then yeah, when there's no one there, you see these camera lights on you. Like, okay. It's go time. Like, it's go time. <laughs> like uh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it definitely was a, it experienced wrestling having the debut in front of no one, but I wouldn't change it. I, I've really uh, enjoyed that and just uh, enjoyed the whole run uh, as a whole. Yeah, that uh, run that you had, as I said, I'm a big NXT UK fan and I loved it straight from the start with the match that you had with Tierman where he cracked your arm. That like sound that was on the match, I was like, it like made me jot off the sofa and be like, what the hell? And then obviously it turns out that you, Rather than fighting up against this guy that's broken your arm, you join forces with him and you create the faction de Familia, which I absolutely loved. You, Charlie, and Tierman were absolutely fabulous as a heel trio. Absolutely loved it. You had your two tag team title shots. Unfortunately, you weren't able to win either of them. But both of those matches, I really enjoyed the, the uh, four-way and the triple threat. I thought were brilliant. What were your highlights working with Tierman and Charlie Dempsey, two 
very different wrestlers, very different characters, but seemingly you three had just like a really great bond. Yeah, I think it was um, we didn't know each other before, you know, getting to WWE. So we all kind of met there. And um, Charlie at the time lives close to me. So we started building a bond there. And then all of us together, I feel like our bond started getting really strong when we were filming the pre-tapes. Yes. So we were doing these like the cinematic pre-tapes. The way they did it was like was exactly the same how they would film TV and movies. And so we would do like a take where the camera's just focused on me and my reactions and do another take on on TMN and then another one on Charlie. So we these were taking a little bit to get all the camera angles. So we would, you know, crack jokes with each other, laugh with the camera crew and like it was something that brought it all together like really close, which we, we started to build like a really cool bond. And I really liked with the group that it was um we all had different styles, which is cool. And it was kind of like a new day sort of thing when we would tag, we would be like, oh, maybe me and Charlie once and then Tim yeah. and me and then Tim and Charlie. Yeah, the, it, was, it was cool. Like The trios match that you had with Gallus, I absolutely loved. You guys didn't do too many trios matches, but that was a great match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And the, the feud we had with Gallus was really, I feel like that really um, solidified itself as a, as a faction after that. So working with those, especially those three boys are, like excellent work so that was um that was really cool but it's cool too because like we could work as a a trio we could work as a tag team and then we could do singles matches and stuff so it was um it was really cool because we'd have some tv time because if i'm wrestling tman or ali or both of them would be out with me and then if charlie is same with him and like it was really cool just getting all that exposed that we were doing which was really cool yeah i I think NXT UK did a great job of your whole package in general as a faction. I love the entrance. I love the way that the whole studio was blacked out and then the lights would come on and you'd have the three of you did all doing your separate poses. I just absolutely loved it. And it's a real shame that you guys are obviously not a trio anymore. Charlie's moved on to NXT UK. Human's gone back to WXW currently. But we've seen through um, progress recently that um, Sanity have reformed on the indies. Is there any chance that and yourself may wrestle as a team on the indies um you know i I think right now when we both when obviously the the closure happened it was it was more so we were just like okay let's keep in contact the three of us but it was like let's just all go our separate ways now and just you know do what we do and then you know maybe the the reunion on a wwe again one day or or someone else somewhere else but it's something where yeah if it happens, it happens, but um, more so we're just uh, all three of us are just trying to keep busy of what we're um, what we're doing, which is uh, which is cool. But but I wouldn't say no to tagging with TMA because that was that was really fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So obviously the closure of NXT UK happened. Several fans like myself obviously gutted, but for the wrestlers, obviously it's even worse. But it's not the end. What are your goals for twenty twenty three? So um, after uh, after everything happened and then um, my non-compete uh, was up, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to make the most out of this because I know I'm going to be back there eventually. So let's uh, let's just get this rock and rolling. So after that, I ended up doing a tour in Canada and, and the States. And I got back from that a few weeks ago. Then I was like, you know what? January, I'm going to be doing uh, a lot of shows in the UK and then February, end of Feb to March, I've got a tour in South Africa. Amazing. And uh, in April and May, I've got a TV show that I'll be a part of that's in the work, which is really cool. I can't really go into detail for that yet. 
And then eventually I've kind of tried to plant a map until NXT Europe launches, which hopefully is crossed. It's mixed year. It could be like, you know, towards the end, uh, the fall of 2023. But um, my goal is just to keep busy with not just doing wrestling appearances. Like I've been doing a lot of like, obviously media appearances and like I was recently on Brit Asia, which is like a massive Indian channel that's in the UK. So I'm also trying to keep my skills fresh and, and keep developing that will benefit me going back to the WWE that I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm not rusty in any of these fields. So when I'm doing these things for Asia, for example, it's like these are kind of, I'm still getting my reps in on pre-tapes and, and interviews and like still talk to people. And like when I'm having these reps, I always, always make sure of like one of my biggest um, things I love doing and my biggest like uh, pros that I have is like speaking on like, so I like now when I'm at Indios, like I, make sure I get, I get a promo or something like that. And then obviously when you wrestle. So I'm just trying to keep all my skills sharp and keep developing. I feel like I wanted to do stuff that so many of us obviously were, um, were gone after the closure. So I'm like, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I want to think outside the box. I want to think, yeah. well, you know what, this is the thing to do in like, what's the different stuff? What's going to make most the biggest impact sort of thing. So yeah, that's, that's the reason I'm doing the certain things I'm doing now. Oh, Rohan, that's amazing. And like truly inspiring as a fan as well. Like you've moved over the oceans to bet on yourself and it's worked and you've got a clear map and a clear idea of where you want to be and how you're going to do it. And it's truly inspiring. And um, honestly, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Did you have any socials that you wanted to plug? For our listeners? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Rowan Raja WWE. Then I've got a uh, Pro Recipe stores, which is, um, I think my app handle is Rohan One of One. Uh, and I've got a few t shirts and a few other merch that's going up on there soon. But yeah, follow me uh, on those uh, socials. And um, I pretty much post what I'm doing. Uh, so it keeps everyone up to date, which is good. Brilliant. And we're very much looking forward to seeing you back in the UK in January then. Perfect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely will see some shows coming out, that's for sure. Amazing. Rohan, thank you so much for coming on to Wrestling Should Be Fun and all the best for 2023. Thanks, mate. I appreciate you having me on the show. No worries. So that was the roundtable with Rohan Raja once again. Thank you so much for coming on. It's time chatting with him and we're re- so excited for his 2023 and all things happening for him in wrestling and beyond. So that leaves us to just say farewell, Brum. Was there anything that you want to plug? Yeah. I've got a new um, OnlyFans. If people know, um, I've got nothing, mate. <laughs> Amazing. So that leaves us with nothing else to do other than plug our own uh, socials, which is... Instagram at Wrestling Should Be Fun, Twitter at WSBFUN. And if you hit up Finn's tweet, you'll see our WSBF awards. We've got, I think, 12 categories in total. Vote for your favorites of the year of 2022. We'll collate them towards the end of the year and then we'll do a podcast based on the awards to hand out the awards to the deserving winners. We're looking forward to it. Drink lots of water and listen, listen to your mates. <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. <laughs>